1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's believe, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alright guys, really quick before we start, I just want to say that it's January, and that means U.S. Figure Skating's Nationals are coming up. The 2023 U.S. Championships will be held in San Jose, California from January 23rd to the 29th. I'm pumped to have Nationals return to my hometown, and I'll be at the arena cheering on the athletes and running around with various media jobs and high-performance camp activities all week. I would love to see you there, so if you're on the fence of attending, just send it. We've really got so much talent on the come up and some fantastic skaters to see live. If you see me around the arena, please come say hi. I love chatting with you guys and hearing what you guys think about all the events. I will be podcasting live from the arena, so I'm so excited to be there in person once again. There are single event tickets available, all session tickets, and championship event free skate packages as well. Just head to www.usfigureskating.org for more information on the event. And get your tickets now. Hello,
2: everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the show, I'm super excited uh, to bring on a special guest I'll be interviewing. He is the 2018 US Junior Champion, and he placed fifth at the 2022 World Championships last season. So this spring, really. Um, and he also just won a competition in Croatia, right? The golden spin. So Camden Polkanen we're so excited to have you on the show hey Camden
1: (laughs) yes hello Plena. thank you for having me on the show Um, um, I'm happy to be here and thank you for taking the time to uh, have me on your show
2: yeah I'm super excited to kind of delve into your story and um, talk about everything but let's get right into it so how did you get into skating when did you start where did you start Um, and who were your first coaches
1: yeah, um, so I'm originally from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I started because my sister, my oldest sister, skated, and I initially was in hockey. And I used to go to all of her skating events, and I used to think to myself, wow, this is so easy. And then <laughs> I decided to switch over into figure skating, and now, in retrospect, it's not easy. <laughs> so um, that's how I started skating. But my first coaches were, her name was Karen Gazelle. She's from Arizona, and she coached me until I was 15. So I started when I was five years old.
2: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> when you were growing up in Arizona and skating, were you going to school uh, during that time, like in person, or were you homeschooled from an early
0: age?
1: Yeah, I never did homeschooling, actually. I My parents always pushed us to go to a brick-and-mortar school because they thought it was healthier for us. So um, I, I went to, I guess – Regular, no, in, in-person school until I was 16, and then I moved to Colorado Springs at 16, and then I switched to the online school format. So um, I'm lucky that I uh, was able to go and make some connections for my freshman and sophomore year in high school, though at my point in my life now, I don't think those connections are still very present in my life, but um, it was nice to get some of that uh, teenage experience that I think is necessary.
2: Gotcha. That's really cool. My parents had the same approach when I was growing up as well. So I got to go to Mm. school with my brothers and everything. Um, And I always felt like it was a really good shift because skating can definitely get overwhelming, as can school. So kind of having those two worlds to jump back and forth between makes it easier, in my opinion. But I know that's not the case for everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a a matter of I think, like, yeah, finding yourself outside of skating, but it was yeah. it was good for me at that age to do both. Yeah.
2: That's fantastic. So you moved to Colorado Springs when you were 16 um, and you went to work mm-hmm. with Tom Sakraichek. Can you tell us about uh the decision to move to work with Tom in Colorado Springs and kind of what that shift was like for you to move to kind of like a a training hub in the US?
1: yeah um it was a very interesting switch for me i feel because up until that point i had no success actually uh nationally at all i hadn't even actually i made junior nationals but i ended up i think 11th or 12th so i i didn't have great results and i knew i wanted to move but my parents weren't fully supportive of it because there was just no nothing to back it there weren't any facts to show that i had any, i guess promise <laughs> within me sadly but um I felt so strong about it, and my parents, I feel very fortunate, and they gave me the opportunity to go try it and see how it was for a year, and I had a lot of success that first year. I got my first Junior Grand Prix. I made nationals and uh, earned a silver medal, so there was a lot of great firsts, and I think I can attribute a lot of that to just having a fantastic environment around me where everyone was working so hard, so if you felt like you weren't going to do it, someone else next to you would do it, and that mindset every day of having the external motivation was what I needed at the time. And it was really important in, in jumpstarting my career.
2: That's awesome. Did you go alone to Colorado Springs and kind of stay with the host family or uh, did one of your parents come with you?
1: Yeah. I, like? I went alone and I stayed with uh, Alexa Kinirim and Chris Kineram. So I stayed Aww. with them when I was uh yeah, a little baby. <laughs>
2: That's super cool. Wow. That must have been semi-tough for your parents, for your mom to watch their 16-year-old boy leave the nest before most people leave at 18.
1: Right. And my sister, (laughs) who's three years older than me, was just leaving too to go to college. Wow. And it's kind of like home was just empty back in Arizona. So I think it was tough on my family. But uh, again, I'm very fortunate to have family that supports me.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. You ended up winning uh, the silver medal at junior nationals in 2017. Um, and then the following season, you had a killer season. You were meddling on your junior Grand Prix. You were the junior Grand Prix final silver medalist. Um, and then you were the 2018 U.S. junior champion and you went and did top six at junior world. So um Tell us a little bit about that season that was kind of like a really big breakout season for you internationally and, you know, winning the gold nationally. So what was, what was the mindset? What was the feeling after you did so well that season? Um, yeah, let's hear about it.
1: Yeah, I I remember that season because it was the first season where I felt like I belonged. Um, I always felt this somewhat imposter syndrome on the Junior Grand Prix and just competing. I, I always felt like I was for some reason inferior to my peers and that was the first season where I really felt comfortable in my skates when I was competing, and I felt like I I belonged. And that was such a good feeling. And I think that directly shows in the results you just uh, mentioned. But it was uh, it was one of my favorite seasons because it really proved to me that all the sacrifice that I've done to that point of you know giving up my 17 year old life in Arizona and translating that to just rigorous training every day that actually paid off the dividends here and I, I earned a few medals and, um, from there. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was a big confidence boost.
2: That's awesome. How do you feel like your mindset was the following season? Um, just going off of all that success, like, was there anything that you tried to do specifically to replicate it or, um, was it just kind of trying to continue off that momentum?
1: Yeah, I think, where I fell short in that 2018 to 2019 season, my um, was, I think I was trying so hard to replicate all the success I had last season. And I think I put that pressure on myself that if I wasn't replicating the exact results uh, placement for placement, then I need to do better than that. I, if I'm not, if I'm getting second at the final, I need to win the final. If I'm getting top six at junior worlds, I need to be top five at junior worlds. And All of that was just pressure I put on myself, which looking back, it wasn't necessary at all. And I think that really taught me that every year, regardless of what happens last season or regardless of what happens in a smaller sense, the last element of your program, you have to continue to just look forward and you have to always be fighting, not defending. And that was a really important lesson that I learned that next season.
2: Yes, I feel like that's kind of a struggle so many skaters have um when they do really well is just kind of it's that saying where it's it's hard to get to the top but it's even harder staying there you know finding the right um recipe for yourself to be able to feel secure and feel like you're growing um but not necessarily feeling pinned to the actual placement and results um it's just every person's like self journey self process but um, when you finally find that recipe, then you feel a lot more satisfied with your own skating.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, throughout those next kind of few seasons, um, you you had some ups and downs. You also changed coaches to Tammy Gamble. Talk about what was happening with you during those few years. Um, I know that you were really young and growing, right? You were like 18, 19, 20. Those are pivotal years for men specifically with like, you're growing a lot, you know, you're getting stronger, you're coming into your own. So I feel like that is a huge contributor to anybody going through ups and downs. So tell us about yours.
1: I wish I could blame it all on just growth, but (laughs) definitely I was having some um, mentality issues. I was focusing a little too much on again, this issue of replicating instead of just fighting for something new, because every every event is obviously different, so you can't really replicate. But regardless, yeah, I, I just constantly went through that where I would have a little tidbit of success or a little nugget of gold, and then I would keep trying to replicate that, and then I would have a bad result. And then the next competition, I would go in with a um, very open mindset with fighting, and it was, and then it would have great results, and then it's up and down like a roller coaster. and. I think that's kind of been something that I I'm really working towards a change as I have been for the last three years, but it definitely was a matter of mindset. I think I was looking at all the advancements around me of, you know, Nathan and Jason doing all these different quads in the program and looking at me at the time I was doing triple axles and I was still trying to get one quad and all of my peers were just getting them so quickly. So again, I felt imposter syndrome when I moved up to the senior ranks. Um, and from that point, it's it's been instead of just one season where I got into my skin and felt comfortable, it's taken three seasons. And now I'm finally saying, okay, I feel confident enough that I could go win these events and that I can contend for even a medal at world. So I think realizing for me that that imposter syndrome may last for a little bit of time and it's not so linear as to oh you spend one year in a new level and then the next year you're supposed to feel comfortable it may take two or three years and then you really get into your skin and understand your body and feel comfortable and confident in yourself that you can do it because tying back to what you say about growth is the body i have now is completely different than the body i had three years ago or even a year ago it's constantly changing Mm -hmm. so um like adjusting not just to these new levels that you're going through but also adjusting your, the growth of your body. There's yeah. so now we're talking about multifaceted issues where there's a multiplicity of things that are just changing around you, and you have to find it within yourself, within your mentality, to just trust that you can do it.
2: Exactly. Uh, I think it's really important to note, as you said, you know, it it's taken you a few years to kind of feel comfortable and confident in this senior mindset. Everybody has their own timeline right and and that's kind of the most important part is recognizing that some people might have super fast success but then fall off after like one year and some people might take a little bit longer and seasons go by and then all of a sudden like they finally found it like i want to use adam ripon as a example for that because he was doing senior grand prix for so many years and then he just like he he finally clicked into it and Mm. was owning everything it's like stepping in and owning the moment um and it sounds like That's what's happening with you because you had such a stellar performance in the second half of last season. And then now you've also been skating pretty well. I want to say all season and handling Grand Prix's like a pro during school, which is a huge accomplishment as well. So last season you did skate super well at nationals and and then you were called to compete at the 2022 World Championships, um, and you skated such an excellent free skate that won you the small bronze medal for the free skate event and you were overall fifth in the world. So tell us about that world's experience. What was it like?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just so surreal. It honestly felt like a fever dream when I was doing it. I think um, just because I got the call in such short notice and. Next thing you know, I'm on the, on a flight to France, and um, it really took some sort of trust in myself and confidence to know that I can do it, even though I may might not have had the 100% best training that I had. Um, but regardless, it was nice to know that it's my third time being the alternate, being an alternate for worlds. And um, I, I always take that training very seriously and still train like I'm going to compete. And it was nice to know that the training that I've been doing to that point actually is paying off and that this is a prime example of no matter if you're first alternate or second alternate like I was it's really important to just train and and I guess do your job as the alternate and keep doing those run-throughs even though it feels like it's monotonous and there's no point in doing it so that that was something that I I, I clearly felt I felt very clear about um the importance in that moment of being an alternate so if I was ever an alternate again or to any alternates out there please just keep your training but anyways um yeah it, it felt great it also was nice celebrating my birthday there I turned 22 during Worlds, so that was also quite fun it was unique competing on my birthday um, it kind of didn't feel like it was my birthday but um,
0: it That's was crazy. nice to
1: have just people like walk by you and say happy birthday or the local organizing committee had like a little cupcake for me and a mug and it was very cute. So I, I it felt I I felt like a superstar because it was my birthday, honestly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a great Worlds. And I think on, on a broader scale, it was something that shows my capabilities and now having that empirical number of, I don't even remember, but whatever I scored at Worlds, that number to use that as a benchmark of, okay, that is me with two quads in the long, one quad in the short and essentially clean skates in both. So now... I can kind of look at that and say, okay, that's like, that's where I see myself being. And in the next four years, how can I move past that? What do I need to improve upon to get higher scores in that? And, um, another thing that I think is a a shift in mindset is now we're really looking at the, the four year plan, not just year by year, because my goal is to make the 2026 Olympics. And I think it's important to have a plan to do that and, be very um, strategic with what you're doing and knowing that this season is really important to me. Yes. But really this season is just another brick in me building my campaign for making the 2026 Olympic team. So um, yeah, that's also been quite a big shift of mentality and it's honestly, it's, it's been nice. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. Uh, I think that's such a great tip or trick. Um, for kind of keeping your mind sane during all of the big events that happen every season. Um, And I think it's really cool because I did the exact same thing when I was competing and every competition in my head would be a practice. Like, even though it was the biggest competition of the year, like nationals, I'd be like, this is just a stepping stone for worlds. Like this is practice for worlds. And then I get to Mm -hmm. worlds biggest competition of the season. And I'd be like, well, it's not the Olympics. Like this is just practice for the Olympics. And it really did help ground me, you know, and it it like with the butterflies coming Mm -hmm. up, I was able to like keep them at bay and be like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, Even though it is a big deal, you know, every every competition is huge. But um, when you put it in perspective in that way, it really helps mentally is what I found. So that's really cool that you're now using that technique as well. Right. Yeah. I remember talking to Frank Carroll, actually, for my podcast. We did an interview um, right after Worlds happened. And we were talking about a number of things, but then we were talking about current skating and Frank absolutely loved you at worlds. And he talked about it. Yeah. Um, I love
1: Frank. Frank is absolutely great. I used to work with him yeah. uh, a while ago in, um what's that uh, place in between California and Arizona? <laughs> that rank. Palm but, Springs. What is it?
2: Palm Springs is Palm in California. Springs, yes. That's it. That's yeah.
1: it. It's in yeah. California. Yes. But it's, it's, it's like on the way to Arizona, but yes, it's Paul very breakfast. deserty but, for sure. Nice. Yeah, he's he's great.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love him. Are there any other tips and tricks that you use for yourself to kind of uh, stay calm at competition? Um, I know that there's all types of stress when it comes to competing, um, and some people's stress comes out during practice the week before or during the day of, like with like little things. So, what do you do specifically to handle your stress competition day?
1: I think acceptance is something I've learned to um, just practice because I think being nervous is a good thing because it means that you really care about it and I think sometimes I forget that I'm in such a privileged position to feel this type of stress and to feel this type of um, nerves around competing or even like taking finals Um, It I feel very privileged to be in that position because I think when I feel stress and I feel pressure and all of those nerves I think that really shows to me that other people believe I can do it. And I really believe I can. That's why I feel nervous. If I'm feeling pressure, that means that I know I can do it. Because if you can't do something, you won't feel the pressure. You'll just be like, oh, like I I don't, I don't feel like I can do it. So I, I'm not even going to try. But if you know that there's a chance that you can do it, and you know that you can do that long program, then you'll feel the pressure to do it. So mm-hmm. I always remind myself that I'm in a privileged position to feel this pressure and that I am very thankful to to be feeling this because it means that everyone around me believes in me and I believe in myself deep down. So that always seems to calm me down a little bit and remind remind me that these nerves and the stress isn't just coming from nowhere, but it's coming from actually a place of positivity. And I translate that further into the fight or flight response and instead of trying to shy away from the emotions, I actually try to fully embrace them and be like, man, I am so nervous. I am so vocal about it sometimes to my coach and it it gets a lot, but I I try to vocalize it and accept it because that, that feeling of the buildup up up until the competition and the program, that's something that I know once I retire, I'm going to be missing. I'm going to, once I'm done skating, I'm going to be missing the nerves you feel around worlds or whatever competition it is. And I wish I could encapsulate those feelings and put it in a bottle and just put it in my pocket forever. So I, I honestly I think I'm an adrenaline junkie as well. So I was gonna I say,
2: wow, because <laughs> I can tell you right now, as a retired skater, the one thing I do not miss is the stress on competition day. But <laughs> but that being said, um I I really like the way that you framed that because like when I say I don't miss it, it's because I always felt like I was the opposite. I don't vocalize it. I suppress it. And I hate talking about it because it makes it real. So for me, it's like the entire day is this heavy damper. And I feel like I have like the heaviest weight on my shoulders. And then once skating, like once the competition's over, I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. I love this. You know, like I like the adrenaline after, but the way that you were talking about it, I think that's awesome because a lot of people do also get overwhelmed with expectation, right. With people, um, believing in them and and then taking it into a way of like, oh, everybody wants this from me. And like, I don't know if I can do it for them. And for you, it doesn't sound like you process it in that way at all. You process it in a very healthy way, a positive way uh, that helps motivate you and encourage you and you feel safe essentially going out and doing what you know how to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know that whatever really happens on the ice I know that my support system, family, friends, like they're all going to so still love me and be there for me at the end of the day. And I, I feel fortunate to be in that position, but it's definitely, it's taken some time to get to this point, to have a healthy relationship with competing. I think mm-hmm. in the past, I may have done it for whatever reason for my for my country, for US figure skating, whatever it is. Um, I think I, I've sometimes have forgotten that I'm the one doing it at the end of the day and it's for me. It's really not for anybody else, but everybody else is just there to support me. And that's a nice nice feeling when you think of it like that, to think that these people that want you to succeed don't want to succeed for themselves, but they want you to succeed. They want Camden to be up there on the podium. They don't just want to see like their your name for them. I mean yes. and if they do then I would say <laughs> that's another conversation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely. No exactly and at the end of the day um all of the people that are really there for you and they're they're on your team for a reason um they believe in you because they see how hard you work you know and how much time you put in and at the end of the day a 4 minute program in competition does not really equate the massive amount of time that you spend devoting your life to this sport. So whether you kind of are able to turn it on in that moment or not, um, people are supporting you for so many other reasons um, and so many other, you know, life lessons that you're learning through sports that they appreciate and encourage. So it's, yeah, definitely important to not always pin the exact one moment, you know, for the entire Mm -hmm. journey. Yeah what is your favorite element if you had to pick one
1: oh i like axles axles triple axle, yeah triple axle. Yeah,
2: triple axle. that 100%. is a good one do you can i ask do you have a skid takeoff or a not skid takeoff edge takeoff
1: um i don't have an like too aggressive of a skid but i also, like just do it on edge i have kind of like a an interesting comma i think that's how i oh. describe it yeah so it looks like <laughs> kind of looks like an eyebrow like a, a line and then here and then there.
2: interesting
1: yeah okay. so I, I do have a skid but it's not like the skid where you'd step forward and then you're turned all the way backwards before you jump yeah so it's not too aggressive it's just slight skid yeah
2: yeah I feel like Axel is just a dicey element because of that forward takeoff but I think it's it's more so inconsistent in the way that like you don't know how long the edge is going to be so I feel yeah. like that's why it's really scary for people is sometimes you have like a really short takeoff and sometimes you have a really long one. But I feel like with skids, it's a little bit more controlled because you're doing that like foot motion. Yeah. So that's why I was asking if you have a skid or not, because yeah, axle, your favorite element.
1: When I didn't have a quad, but I had an axle, I would spend my days just doing axle on axle and axle because in my mind, I thought that practicing that three and a half revolutions was somehow gonna translate into like a quad toe or a quad sow, which I think it has a little bit to the toe. But I think since I just I loved axles and I loved practicing them. So that really built that consistency of how long I need to make my edge and how to skid. And really it's it's from that that left forward outside step or right forward outside if you're a lefty, but left forward outside step. And how long you're going to be on the ice to create that skate? That's what creates, honestly, I think for me, the consistency behind an absolute.
2: Yeah, that's really awesome. Well, you're such an elegant skater. Uh, your lyrical style, it's uh, so wonderful to watch on the ice. So my question is, do you take dance lessons? Do you take ballet or did you in the past uh, to be able to skate in the way that you do now?
1: Yeah, I, I've taken a lot of ballet, especially in my junior um stages it was really a crucial part of my training Mm -hmm. um and honestly i loved it i loved ballet i loved taking dance classes A realm that i'm kind of breaking into now in new york is hip-hop modern contemporary so i work with a dancer and he comes in and works with me on ice and off ice and it's really unique to see how like him with no no prior knowledge of skating how he interprets my skating and how he says i can improve in this area because as skaters we all have some sort of a tinted glasses tinted film in front of us about how we regard skating and skating skills and components so it's nice to work with an actual dancer and see what he thinks about my skating from just a completely third person point of view Mm -hmm. and um yeah he challenges me all the time to move my back more and try to be a little more hip hoppy and it's (laughs) very difficult but I'm trying to push beyond just the, the elegance, I think of what I think my skating has right now and trying to explore other realms.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. You can, you can definitely see the ballet training in your skating when you, um, perform it's, it's really hard to do, honestly, because, um, ballet is very technical. You know, there's a very certain technique where you can tell whether that's like, I mean, it's it's everything. It's posture, it's toe point, extension, turning everything out. And and you are able to bring it onto the ice in a very smooth way. So I definitely commend you for that. And then the fact that you're working with uh, with like hip hop now and stuff like that, that's awesome. I think like doing different styles is not only really fun, but it's really impressive when you're able to actually like successfully show off different styles. So this season- You announced a coaching change this season, right? So uh, you went to LA and you started working with Raphael. um, And then now that you are in New York City for school, you're also working with Alex Johnson. So yeah, tell us about the coaching switch. Why did you choose to switch to Raphael? And what is that situation looking like? Um, Are you going to go work with him some more now? Or is it mostly just Alex Johnson now because you're in school?
1: Yeah, so um, starting from the beginning... I initially made the switch just because I knew I was coming here to Columbia. So I, I wanted to, um, not limit myself to seeing what other coaches would be like. And I wanted to really get that, um, opportunity to try a completely other new training location, considering I would be coming here no matter what in in the fall. So I made that switch to, uh, Raphael and worked with him in Irvine and, um, he's great. I, I love, learning his technique and he's obviously created the Olympic champions so he he knows a thing or two about um, you know jumping <laughs> he knows uh, about how to create champions and I think he's he's definitely taught me a lot about independence too about training myself which is a very important skill for being here because sometimes I, I I can't have Alex on all three hours that I skate so I have to really push myself and and that's something I learned from just that camp in general so um, I, I do go back quite a bit. I went back a few times over the fall for some long weekends and I will be going back um, for all of winter break to train there until U.S. championships. Um, well, actually until the week before U.S. championships, then I have to come back here for first week <laughs> of school and then go back out to uh, San Jose, your area. So San Jose.
2: Um,
1: yeah. Wow. So it's been great. I think it's really nice having Alex here too, to be, my manager, my advocate, someone that pushes me hard on the ice, and it's nice to have a familiar and friendly face to just yell at me to do my long program. Um, <laughs> it's it's also cool having Alex, who he did full time school while he was training towards the end of his career, and worked um, an internship too and a job. So it's it's nice to get his viewpoint and his little nuggets of information about how he overcame training himself and training an environment that doesn't have many elite athletes there. Um, So it's, it's fun having that duality between Alex, who's somewhat of a new coach and a new face in the coaching world. And then Raphael who's truly a veteran. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a great team. So you're, you're currently in college at Columbia university, and this has been your first semester you transferred in as a junior Um, and you've also been balancing that competing on the world stage. You did two Grand Prix's, uh, you won your senior B and you're currently doing finals. So how has it been juggling going to college in person, um, and competing at this high of a level?
1: It's been definitely tough, quite clearly. Um, I think from my first challenger series of us classic, um, it was, ever since that moment it's it's been a progression up until this last challenge series of golden spin of understanding the demands and what truly is asked of me from my, my university here and also my honest demands so managing that has obviously been a growing process and it's always going to be something that i'm going to have to adapt to and change to but i love i love doing this i know again thinking about perspective of once I'm done with skating and school, I'm going to look back and these are going to be the times that I, I really miss. So really trying to soak in everything, not just skating and school, but also New York City, trying to find some sort of independence here, which is honestly quite easy <laughs> living in New York. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. And this place throws challenges at you that you don't expect, whether that be um, the one train just not running that day and you just don't know how to get to the rink or, uh, you know, maybe the rink just doesn't have ice today and you have to figure out how you're going to get to New Jersey to train in Hackensack. Um, and then all doing that while trying to manage your full-time force load.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's, it's tough, but knowing that I can put more into school right now during finals week and put more into skating during the Grand Prix, it's, it's, I always think of it like a, like a gauge of energy where I might need to put more into school now and then put more into skating later. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that takes a level of understanding of self and, and understanding of, I guess, periodization. So it's, yeah, it's, it's important skills that I'm learning here that expand beyond just my skating career.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, it's really important in life in general, especially as a young adult Um, so I think it's super awesome that you're doing both. Yeah. I loved college. So I can only imagine, um, how fun it is for you to be in a completely different environment now and still have skating as like that steady, that constant that, you know, is part of you. But at the same time, like, you know, you're, you're coming in and finding yourself as a person outside of skating as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. How does your schedule work exactly? I know it's different for everybody and it depends on how, um, or it depends on what your major is, but mm-hmm. I know everyone's very curious about how exactly you're juggling <laughs> um, college and skating. So how many classes are you taking per semester, or per quarter, um, and like, what, what does training time look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I'm taking four classes a semester. I think next semester I actually might go up to five. Honestly, I think I might just because the... Where I had four competitions this fall, I I hope I will have three, being nationals, worlds, and proponents if everything mm-hmm. goes according to plan. But, um, yeah, so a typical day for me is I don't take any morning classes, so Chelsea Piers only has ice until 11.20. So okay. I wake up around 6, get to the rink around eight thirty, eight fifteen, hop on that 8.30 session, and then skate until 11.20. And then from there, I'll come back here. I'll go to the dining hall and grab some food. And then I'll start my class at 1.10. And then I have a class one ten to 2.25. And then I have another class 2.40 until 3.55. And then afterwards, I'll grab some more food. And then usually I have some sort of a club meeting or an event that I have to um, participate in because I'm also part of two clubs here at school. Um, Wow. So, or or maybe I have like AAC meeting because I'm vice chair for the bands this season. So I usually have all of that and I'm, I'm done with yeah. whatever meeting usually around 6 or 7 and then I go to the library and I study until 11 or 10 and then I come back to my place and go to bed and then do it all again.
2: It's a packed schedule. Wow.
1: Yeah. I, I run a tight, tight ship here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's good though, that you have um like two separate times. You have like the first half of your day is dedicated to yeah. skating and the second half to school. I think that's like a really good way to uh, mix it. Cause I know like there's a lot of different ways to try to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I also, when I was in college, I uh, did the opposite. I did school in the morning. And then the second half of the day was just me at the rink. Um, and I always right. liked that combination more than me. Like skating in the morning, going to a class, going back to the rink, like that was really hectic. Yeah, um, I
1: always, um, I treat it as if whenever I'm on the ice, I'm resting my brain, even though obviously your brain's working. But I think of it as I'm resting my brain for school. And then when I'm in the classroom, I'm resting my body for skating. So really, I, I really try hard to oscillate the two and think of them as two separate things. While they both make up my identity, truly, I really try to separate them. And it's really nice here too meeting people and not even identifying as a skater and just saying, Oh, I'm Camden. I'm a, I'm a junior. I'm from Irvine, California, I guess. Um, this is what, you know, and finding people that appreciate me for beyond just my skating. And um, yeah, usually I spend my social time studying with people in the library. So <laughs> that's how I get my social fix.
2: <laughs> that's no, that's really awesome. I think that's also a really important component to your own skating self too that you, you, probably don't even realize is just, um, knowing that you're making connections with people and you're making friends with, you know, people that are in your age group, um, who are Mm -hmm. also figuring themselves out, um, and not having skating as something that they identify you as is so, so healthy because in skating, you know, everybody knows you as a skater and, um, it can, it can definitely, kind of mess with your, like, self-value sometimes, um, I know, for mm-hmm. a lot of people, so, um, yeah, I think I did the same thing in college, I also never talked about skating, and when people brought up skating, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, why are we talking like, oh, about this right now, <laughs> yeah, what's
1: the double axle, I don't know what <laughs> <Yeah>. that
2: is, <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, but it was really nice when I got injured, and I was um, in college, and I, you know, had to take time off, I completely had that mind switch, like you were saying, and I was just, mm mm-hmm able to be with all my friends and my friends literally didn't care or didn't know what was happening with skating and they were like oh Paulina's sad because she can't skate but we're all gonna go do this now so do you want to join and I'm like yeah it's not a big deal yeah 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 it's it's definitely very very healthy what are your dreams career-wise once you know skating competitively is on the end
1: (laughs) after college after skating Not really sure when I'd go work, but I'd like to go into consulting for definitely a certain amount of time in my life and um, just tackle problems and again, walk away, transform from that. And then I could see myself coming back to skating and starting my own academy, or I could see myself um, moving completely away from skating. But I think I feel, again, I feel very fortunate to be able to uh, want to stay connected to skating in some ways. I know some people retire and just never want to come back to skating, but I think skating's skating really is a, the figure skating community is a community that really raised me, and I feel very fortunate to have a good relationship with that. So I'd love to do something, if not my whole life, to give it back to the community, and quite easily it, it would be coaching. Um, so I think I'll always be connected to skating in some way, but Ideally, I'd like to move away completely for at least a little bit of time and go see other parts of the world, go see corporate America and maybe be uh, <laughs> see what that's really like in corporate America <laughs> and then, you know, come back to skating. But yeah, it's still up in the air and really being ambiguous, but following what's passionate for me is kind of the approach I'm taking to college.
2: Yeah. You know, you're only 22. You're super young. So you have so <laughs> much time. I say that as if I'm not only two years older than you. Uh, Same. (laughs) We have so much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we do. As long as you are doing something that you feel good about or learning along the way, like you learn either way, either you like something or you don't like something. And that's a learned fact Mm -hmm. that you move forward from, right? Um, But I think with skating, I think taking a break is really, really nice. Um, and I've definitely found when I kind of got back into the skating scene with this podcast and with like various seminars, coaching shows, like there's just so many ways to be involved with skating once you're competitively retired. Um, and it is super positive if you, uh, if you love it. Um, so you, you will always have an opportunity to be in the skating worlds, um, whether that's right after you finish competing or 10 years after you finish competing there's there's always opportunity so that's great that you're already kind of looking in that realm who are your best friends in the skating world
1: oh wow really <laughs> shifting gears here i yes. have to think i think two <laughs> of my closest friends i'll say in the skating world would be Vincent Joe and Tsunoki Watanabe um it sounds really weird saying their full names uh vincent and smoky for sure um you know it's it's really nice having that connection with smoky because we trained together and so vincent we all trained and went through the uh the ring of fire together in colorado (laughs) we were there's something to be said about having a positive relationship with your competitors and it's really nice that we always would you know push each other on the ice but also we would clap so hard for each other's clean programs or cheer each other on or just say hey how are you let's hang out let's just go grab dinner because you seem stressed and it's nice seeing that translate further where now it's like I know I know uh Vincent's in college right now and he's at Brown but he still you know text me before events and wishes me good luck and it's it's really endearing and it's really it's nice to hear that I have his support though he you know was one of my toughest competitors and we've competed against each other so um Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah I I really I miss the group and I hope one day we can all get together again soon which I'm I'm sure it'll it'll happen the skating world's not that big
2: (laughs) again there there's always time and there's always events to meet up at and opportunities um to be able to get together so that's really Mm -hmm. sweet actually that's awesome Yeah. What do you like to do outside of skating? What are your hobbies? Um. Mm. So we get a little bit more full circle on who Camden really is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As of recent, I've really. I mean, this is so New Yorker of me, but (laughs) I love taking walks in Central Park. (laughs) Um. um, Yeah, I love. (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend that we always like go grab coffee and go for a walk, and it's it's nice to to you know, take a different road today or, you know, turn left instead of right for once and just be in a completely different area and ending up in Harlem or a completely new borough that you're just not familiar with. Because as small as New York City is, it's by size, I guess, not by population, but by pure size, it's such a big place where you could live here your whole life and not see everything and not go to every single pizza spot So I love, yeah, I love, I love going into Brooklyn. I love going uptown, downtown. I love just leaving the Upper West Side and exploring different areas of New York City. And um, I also feel very happy that I'm comfortable enough to do that and just be independent in my own right too and say, oh, I'm just going to go out for a walk for me. Um, So finding me time through taking quiet strolls and grabbing a nice cup of coffee is something I've... Learn to love. Yeah.
2: That's super cool. Do you like the hustle and bustle of New York City? Like, do you feel like you're city life, city boy now? Or uh, is it something that's a little (laughs) bit like, I don't know how long I could like stay in New York City, but I'm having a good time right now?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think for now, I love it. I think ask me again when I'm 27 or 28 (laughs) if I love New York City. I'm sure I'll have a different answer. Um, Also, like, right now i i'm very independent but once i am thinking about having kids in the future and like settling down i don't think new york city really would be that place for me i'd ideally like to maybe even go to northern california who knows but um <laughs>
2: <laughs> the bay area it's the best yeah, just saying
1: <laughs> yeah so um for where i'm at now in my life this is perfect and i can't see myself anywhere else
2: that's awesome yeah, I think that's also a very uh, realistic way to look at it because you never know where you're going to be in like the next five years. So as long yeah. as you're liking it right now, that's the best. Ride the mm-hmm. wave, ride the wave.
1: Ride the wave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. My last question for you is who do you draw inspiration from um, in skating and like who are your favorite skaters?
1: Oh, okay, great. I love this question. So <laughs> the skater that I i have always Drawn the most inspiration from is Patrick Chan. I've absolutely oh, yes. loved his skating growing up, and I always wanted to. I guess I always wanted to skate like him, <laughs> and um, now, like looking back at that thought that I had, it's I. I think I want to draw qualities from him and take some of the things that he does so amazingly and so magnificently, and put that into my own skating, but really develop Camden from it. So not just looking at Patrick, but I look at Yuzuru Hanyu and look at his jumps and his his skating and two different styles of skating. If you even look at their jumps, two different quad toes, but two still plus four quad toes, plus five quad toes. So knowing that like they both do jumps differently, but take, you know, get the same results from it really proves to me that there's not one way to do things. And that's where I can take the inspiration from Patrick and really want to take his presence and his skating skills but then maybe take the um, the jumping quality of Yuzuru and the tight air position from him and his spins. And those are two skaters that are, you know, they were at the 2014 Olympics and were for second. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting seeing that two, two skaters that I look up to were battling out as kind of like who's going to be the top. So I, I love them both. And I, I think those are two skaters I look up to. I think of course, Kimi Na is another skater that is one of my favorites and uh, Carolina Costner. I can, I can go on and on and on, but Same, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so much great skating. And I think yeah. two that I would say would be Patrick and Yuzu.
2: That's amazing. I really like those answers. Um, mm-hmm. I also, yeah, I just love paying homage to those, um, that generation of skating as well. Cause I know that the, the current generation is, um, there's a lot, of new faces. Um, and there's a lot of them because mm-hmm. like it's kind of somewhat shorter of a time frame of kind of staying on top. Um, right. but that that era of skating, it was um so wonderful to be growing up and watching them on TV and being able to mm-hmm. see and and admire um not only how amazing their skating was, but we kind of got to know them as people too, like just based yeah. off of them being in the spotlight for so long. So it. Yeah. Those are, those are some great answers. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, those are all of my questions for you. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to me. Um, I think everyone's going to really love this episode and um, all of the insight that you brought. And I hope that uh, it opens up to everybody a little bit more about who you are. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, I, I appreciate you having me on and carving me into your busy schedule too. I'm sure. You're busy from your day to day. So thank you. I really appreciate coming on the show.
2: Of course.